Welcome to Matters of the Mind. Are you looking for answers, ideas, or just want someone to listen to you so you can vent? Join Dr. Peter Sacco as he discusses what matters most, issues that surround the mind. He gets to the heart of the matter when it comes to issues involving anger, depression, addictions, fear, anxiety, relationships, sex, abuse, bullying, and everything concerning you. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Time is slipping away. Well, hello there, and welcome to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every week. That would be myself, Dr. Peter Andrusacco, and my co-host and producer, Todd Miller. How are you, Todd, on this January 27th? Presently chugging a C-plus orange drink. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm saying that in, in jest because I know we uh, we have a very um, esteemed guest today on the show who would probably smack me upside the head if he found me drinking it. But uh, yeah, I, I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm doing great. And the esteemed guest that Todd is talking about is the one and only Hal Johnson from the hit duo Body Break, also with Joanne McLeod. So Hal will be joining us later. Uh, before we get there, though... Bell, let's talk. Folks, today, Bell, let's talk is a wide reaching, multi year program designed to break the silence and the stigma around mental illness and supporting mental health all across Canada. So, definitely check it out, um, get involved with it. Um, you can donate money to it. But I think the most important part with this is, is uh, today, mental health affects anywhere from one in five to one in four people at any given time which would be depression anxiety disorders eating disorders not to mention more of this you know the intense ones like schizophrenia and other types of debilitating mental health disorders and we're not even scratching the surface with substance abuse problems and addiction no and uh it's uh, it's a very important day um it's one that raises money for awareness but it also raises awareness when you use the hashtag, hashtag bell let's talk or if you go to their uh, website and, and share information from there they donate um five cents towards mental health initiatives and uh we've interviewed uh, jeff liberty before that was on matters of the mind volume 65 if you want to go back to the podcast player that was june of this year and bell um and jeff was working with bell um, and their esteemed roster of, of athletes to uh, to break down the stigma and raise awareness. And Jeff has shared his story about mental health and struggles with it, and and just horrific. And and he's come out the other side. Normally, we would have um, Ellen Campbell from the Center for Abuse Awareness joining us later in the show, but she is uh, busy today. And so, with that said, we have a little more time to discuss this. And I think it's an issue that never gets tired or how should we say insignificant in terms of discussing it and anybody out there listening if you do know somebody or you yourself um, have anything that makes you feel at dis-ease um, not feeling proper and when I'm saying not feeling proper you're feeling depressed all the time you're feeling stressed at all the time you're feeling anxious all the time and you find that you can't get your life in order, that you have a hard time getting out of bed each and every morning, you have a hard time getting to sleep every night, or you don't sleep at all almost every night, and you find yourself consuming more alcohol or taking over-the-counter drugs to help you cope, 
then I think you definitely need to go and speak to somebody, whether it be your general practitioner or your physician first, or call one of the wonderful services that are out there within the community, and one that I push wholeheartedly is Canadian Mental Health Association. They have a lot of educational material, as well as counselors that are ready to speak with you. <clears throat> yeah, and you know, there's always uh, 911, there's always emergency if it is critical. And I know some people... <coughs> I know some people when they're feeling blue, they're not feeling themselves. Um, they say they're feeling dark. They're having dark days, and, and dark days can lead to dark thoughts, which can lead to um, things that you don't really want to do. And, and you know, we really believe that everybody should wake up the next day and uh, continue on this path. But I also notice for a lot of people, there's a bit of lip service paid to the awareness. They go, "Oh, mental health issues again." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it really affects the vast majority of us, I, I don't think there's anyone that can't say, I don't know anyone with mental health issues. Um, we all know somebody that's been depressed. We all know somebody that has had postpartum depression. We all know someone who has had some, as, as our friend Joey Pantoliano says, some disease, some mental disease where they're just not feeling themselves. I don't understand why there's still a stigma in today's society. It's, and I wish, and this is from a practitioner, a former practitioner, myself's perspective, as well as somebody that has had friends, um, acquaintances, other professionals, and definitely patients in the past that I've seen. Society should be up in arms, seeking more support from our government seeking more educational programs on all of this, um, the issues and the stigma that surrounds mental health disorders and diseases. You know, you know what, Todd? We are so hell-bent in our society about using the proper politically correct terms like, oh my gosh, we better not say Merry Christmas. We better not take something out of context because it might be gender insensitive, racial insensitive, religiously insensitive. But at the end of the day, these insensitive words don't kill you. Depression does kill you. Anxiety disorders do kill you. Schizophrenia can kill you. Eating disorders can kill you. And addictions kill you. Let me say this about that. Um, I think that the stigma exists in small part to the fact that there are so many... Um, I won't say causes, but there are so many illnesses out there and there are lots of dollars tied to research and to cures and to to treatment that there's a there's a limited pot of money that comes from the federal government that's devoted to health. And this is not a bad thing, but some organizations that deal with, let's say, um, cardiac awareness or diabetes, they do spend some money to get the word out there. As part of their mission to make people aware that, hey, you're, you have to be careful that you don't get heart disease and, you know, don't smoke and don't drink and blah, blah, blah. But they do a very good job. And I'm not certain if the mental health practitioners, the mental health agencies do as good a job to communicate the severity of the problem. Thoughts? Absolutely. I think that's part of it. But I also think it's like... The issue is, if you can't see it, then it can't be a real big problem. Let's be well, realistic. Right. You're right. If you have a heart attack, you're in the hospital. You're hooked up to a machine. They're monitoring your heart. It's very real. When you have depression, you're sitting at home. 
and, and you're out of sight, out of mind, like you said. Or you're going to work mm-hmm. and you're coping with it. You know, you know, years ago, I remember seeing a statistic, and I'm sure it's still pretty high or it still could be considered the number one abused over-the-counter drug, which once used to be pharmaceutical drug, which is out there for anybody to take as a depressant. And that depressant would be a sleeping aid, which now comes in the form most oftentimes purchased is in the form of gravel oh. and Benadryl. <laughs> oh my goodness. I couldn't believe you went there because I was thinking he's, he's not going to say gravel, is he? Because I do know that p- there are people that take gravel as a sleeping aid. And you know what, Todd? A lot of that, what's interesting is are a lot of people, it is a depressant. And if you're continually taking it, you're starting to get mimic forms of depression. And over a period of time, it is going to change your brain chemistry. And not only that, you become addicted to it, much the same as an alcoholic gets addicted to alcohol. And so then you're getting into the whole chicken or egg phenomenon, which came first. Did the alcoholism come first that then led to the depression? Or was the person suffering from clinical depression and they started to drink um, to alleviate it? And that's what led to the alcoholism. And a lot of people, and I hear them professionally, and I know them who they are, will say, oh, yeah, I just, you know, I take the edge off at night because I see these wonderful commercials. Get a good night's rest. Take this pill and have no, you know, rebound effects or hangover effects in the morning. Well, a lot of people don't have that hangover effect um, two or three hours later because they're going the other way. They're supplementing with stimulants, also known as caffeine, coffee. And then three or four cups later, it's like, yeah, finally that hangover is finally gone. Then it's time to go to bed at night again. It's like, wow, I'm so wired off on caffeine. I can't go to sleep. So let's repeat the cycle. I totally agree. And and as we talked about in an earlier show, and we touched on this numerous times, people take these, um, whether they're stimulants or whether they're depressants, whether it's an alcohol or like you said, a gravel, um, they take them with increasing doses because they become less effective. And you'll probably know better than I, the body starts to metabolize these and break them down and be less receptive to the effects of them. So you need more. And this is part of the reason I think as a non-professional that people start drinking more because they used to have a beer after work and they'd go great. And then it became two and then it became six. You know, do you agree? I mean, that's the body just goes, eh, it's not, I'm not getting the same kick anymore. Oh, absolutely. You start to build up a tolerance to it. And then eventually you need more um, certain types of drugs to give you the same sort of satiated effect. And, you know, to go back to the mental health um, discussion and society's lack of awareness overall and mental health practitioners maybe needing to get more vocal about this. um, I've always said this. And when I first started out my career, I started out, I was the one that talked people out of committing suicide. I went into psychiatric wards as well too, saw people with really bad dysthymia, which is a really bad form of clinical depression. I saw people with bipolar depression, also at the time manic depression. I saw individuals with schizophrenia that were really, you know, gone in many ways. And then I saw a whole whack of them from eating disorders where an individual was functioning 15 to 20% below normal body weight and you know what Todd I think if people would actually the ones that are healthy or the ones that really don't believe that mental health illness is real go to one of these wards and see what it's like you know they'll they'll bring people with cardiac 
to scare people out of quitting smoking or losing weight, taking them into a cardiac ward, um, or um, you know, emphysema unit to see what it looks like for somebody that's suffering with their lungs or their hearts. And what I have found, unless somebody has walked in somebody's shoes that has depression or anxiety, you can't get away from yourself. It's a horrible feeling. It's absolutely traumatizing. And when it gets to a point where you want to kill yourself, that is so real to that person. And if you live with somebody that's got severe depression, you just don't know what it's like until you've lived those shoes. You know, and um, as someone who's witnessed... Um someone who's had severe depression leading to bipolar manic, the parents didn't understand the situation. And the parents, it was easy. It was get up, do something, change your thoughts. Um, you know, what's going on? Like, why are you like this? And it's not as, it's not that easy. I mean, there are, there's treatments as, as you know, and some of them are, are chemical that we need to rebalance the, the chemicals in the brain before the, the mind can sort of, get centered and then the person learns other coping strategies and whether they need the medication for the rest of their lives is open for debate but um, it's not just a question of change your thoughts that is an important part of going forward after you've realized you've been through a depressive episode but I don't think it's just like a switch that you turn off you know I'm glad you bring that up Todd because I was asked this before why does it get swept under the rug so much or why doesn't anybody want to openly discuss this or why do families want to bring it up and over my years of being in this field and talking to people and families that have been so depressed um, who have developed learned helplessness have been traumatized post-traumatic stress disorder part of it is is the families themselves the parents the grandparents don't want to bring this up as part of them may feel responsible for this that it's in their genes or they've created it or perpetuated it in some way or form and the other side of the coin is people don't want to discuss it because they literally really worry that they're going to get this label put on them that they're crazy and if they're deemed crazy or insane then that makes them unemployable um, unfit to work in certain positions in society and even, Todd, unfit as a parent or a spouse. Yes, I would. I can definitely understand how that could be a stigma, so to speak, and pardon the pun, on your resume. It can be something that can be with you a very long time. And, and there's this ongoing discussion. Um, you may have recalled a few weeks ago, there was an article in the newspaper about a, a university student at York University who sued the university because she didn't want to disclose, she was asking for special dispensation due to a condition, but she didn't want to have to name the condition. And then the Ontario court agreed with her and said, yeah, we, we'll, we'll allow you to write exams or study or write tests whenever you want, and you don't need to tell us what's wrong. And I I kind of listened to that that judgment. I went, hmm, you don't want to tell us what's wrong so that we can, maybe they wanted to provide additional resources uh, or, or say, okay, so you are bipolar. Let's develop a strategy for people that are bipolar. But now they have to go forward on the basis that they don't know what it is. The person requires extra assistance, but they don't know what the underlying condition is. So it doesn't really allow them to bring any harmony or strategy into serving people with special needs yeah and and that is you know once again part of it and I think it ties back into what I've already said Todd that it is 
unseen, unheard. Therefore, it's unfortunate, but mental disease, mental illness is so shrouded in gray areas because you just can't see it as a tangible illness like a broken leg, um, a a flu, a chicken pox, or heart disease where people just go, oh my gosh, what do we do about this? Or how do we deal with this? Yeah. And, and one of the, just want to break in, one of the comments that people had on this thread that I was responding to was, why don't you come out and say what's wrong so that we can, again, reduce that stigma? And, and once again, I think, you know, to take that person's side, having worked with so many patients over the years and clients with it, is they'll tell you, you don't understand. Yep. If I tell you what it is, you may not get it. You may judge me. You may think I'm crazy. Or I can't tell you because I don't want to go there. I don't yep. want to go to that experiential place in my mind, which is absolutely disturbing. But yet, it's one of these illnesses that's out there that does not get en- enough attention. And ironically, um, we have Hal Johnson coming up that is going to discuss something, hopefully, that is really amazing. And Toscarina had talked about it a couple of weeks ago. That sugar, that's right, folks, sugar itself, you know, that white stuff, Mm. um, like a food version of cocaine. The white death. The white death, as um, hell will put it. Um, We know it's bad. It's out there. But yet, once again, people turn a blind eye to that. And in fact, Todd, a lot of the people that are turning a blind eye to it are parents of the kids that they're buying all these sweeteners for, uh, you know, these treats for in that. Yep. Absolutely. It's a dangerous thing. And I'm probably guilty of it as well as a parent. I mean, you're looking and and uh, we'll have to ask how this. But I mean, you know, when you're looking at a at a box of of uh, super crispy, ricey, sugary O's, um, you know, they, they have all these little badges on them that say, you know, lots of fiber, great for energy. And then, you know, it turns out that it's probably sugar that's giving you the energy. And I'm sure Hal's going to speak to that for sure. Yeah. When we come back, we will be joined by the great... Hal Johnson from Body Break. Stay tuned. You are listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio worldwide at talk-radio.ca. The music you'll hear on Out of the Blue will be jazz for the most part. No specific styles or genres. Every piece of music is handpicked to deliver quality performances. Out of the Blue can be heard on rtds.ca, live Mondays, 1 to 3 p.m., and encore performances Tuesday to Friday, anytime on demand. It's the true spirit of jazz, a touch of everything and then some. Thanks for listening. I'm Larry Green. Well, hello there. This is Dr. Peter Andrusacco, host of Matters of the Mind. Just want to thank you all for making 2015 a tremendous season again for our show, and we look forward to seeing you next year. Hey, do you like to read? I've got some free books from you. That's right. Yours truly have some really cool books you might find interesting, especially if you like The Walking Dead or are a Vampire Diaries fan. Check out my website, petersacco.com. That's Peter, S-A-C-C-O.com. And right now you can download Why in the Hell Serial Killers. 
Crazy for Vampires and Zombies. And also, you can check out my book and download, Technological Raid. Yep, folks, they are free. And also for those interested in making a difference in anti-bullying campaigns, you can download three free ebooks right now. Also at petersacco.com and you can go to bullyingisforthebirds.com. Thank you once again so much, folks. You are the best listeners in the world. We exist because of you. Have a great holiday season this year. Welcome back to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Heard worldwide on Listen Up Talk Radio at talk-radio.ca. to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every week. And now what matters to us much as we were talking, we got a great fitness guru, and most of you probably have seen him and Joanne on TV all the time. We have Hal Johnson from Body Break. Hey, Hal, how are you? Very, very good. So we've been talking about, uh, well, this month, Hal, we've been talking about people starting over, so to, so to speak, with the beginning of the year, New Year's resolutions, getting healthy and fit. Um, a couple weeks ago, we had Toscarina, who was talking about fitness, but more or less from a woman's perspective, how women um, are getting in shape, eating properly, but most of all, important with body image and that. So I guess before we go even go there, Hal, What's new and exciting? What have you and Joanna been up to? Well, we've uh, we've just finished a, um, a uh, speaking tour going across Canada for the Canadian Diabetes Association. Uh, we did uh, from coast to coast, uh, for everyone from Yellowknife to Vancouver to St. John's, um, speaking about the about uh, your health and, and how to uh, change your ha- habits and um, and how diabetes is. Uh, is a real, real plague on today's society, and how we can, you know, and how it affects your life, and the ways that you can kind of combat uh, uh, the effects—not only the effects of diabetes, but hopefully not getting diabetes. And it, that was um, that was, you know, great for us, and uh, it was a, a fun tour. However, what it does is it really showcases the how many people have diabetes, and how it really is something that. Uh, not as, as they call it, totally preventable, but it's certainly something that you can manage um, in, in a large majority. We're talking type 2 diabetes, that you can uh, manage uh, without medication uh, if, you, um, uh, if, you, if you're eating right and if you're exercising. And those are, you know, it's really a simple, uh, simple process. I mean, it really, you know, we can talk about all the new things that are going on in health and fitness and whether it be uh, the uh, wearable technology, whether it be the, all the things that are, are new and exciting. But if you're not willing to get out there and, and incorporate that in your life, it, uh, it's really a waste of time and useless. It's funny, when Dr. Sacco introduced you, he said that you were, uh, there weren't too many people that hadn't seen you. I don't think there's anyone in Canada that hasn't seen you. You're as Canadian as maple syrup and just about as, um, you know, present, you're ever present. But it's nice to hear you talk about uh, type 2 diabetes. Um, 
you know, type one is, is I guess unavoidable in some people, but type two is, is very much lifestyle driven. And I noticed I was looking at your website that you were working with the Canadian Diabetes Association on your tour, but you also have been speaking out on um, possibility of putting a tax on sugared sweetened drinks and, and pop. And I find that's a go-to drink. And even these energy drinks that, that kids are gravitating towards are just loaded with sugar these days. Well, they certainly are. And we, we look at sugar as the, uh, the cocaine of uh, the new millennium in a sense, that it really is something that has made our society overweight. Um, and we're, we're consuming so much sugar, especially in liquid form. So when you, you know, you have, whether, whether you have a, uh, an orange juice, you know, we, we all think orange juice is, you know, good for us because we think, well, it's, it's good for us. You know, orange juice, I mean, it's got vitamin C. It's, it's got natural. Vitamin, it's, natural. it's natural orange juice. I mean, it's, oh, it's fantastic. Well, orange juice is garbage. I haven't drank orange juice for 15 years. Oh, boy. Um, it is all sugar. And so when you look at a lot of, you know, sugar from concentrate, whatever it is, it's, it's the sugar. And so kids are consuming this under the, and, and, you know, you throw a little vitamin here, a little vitamin there, and all of a sudden this, this drink is supposed to be good for you. Well, the way to, to look at any product is look at the sugar content and saying, am I getting more in the plus column than I am in the minus column from this particular product? And, and you know, I look at the, you know, the, the sports drinks, really, you know, the Gatorade, the Powerade out there, as the real villains. Um, you know, we all know that Coke and Pepsi are, are just sugar water with some coloring. You know that. We know it's no good for us. But, and a parent, generally most parents won't bring a, you know, a pop into the dressing room for the kid, you know, before their hockey game, or you know, make sure you have this pop, uh, you know, before the game. They know it's not good for them. Mm-hmm. But they don't think that way of... Uh, when it comes to, you know, um, the sports drinks. It, one is in the name. Sports drinks. Well, you drink it when you play sports. Um, that they they have like 38 grams of sugar in it. And give you an idea of that. Anywhere between 32 to, to 38. Well, if we look at, at that many grams of sugar, four grams of sugar is one teaspoon. There's one cube, as it were. Mm. One cube of sugar. So you're looking at eight to nine, nine and a half cubes of sugar for one sports drink. Um, And that's all you're getting. I mean, they've really done a great job in the promotion using athletes and, you know, high profile, whether Sidney Crosby or Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, uh, you know, all all, all these great athletes that, wow, the the parents say, well, geez, you know, they're they're drinking this stuff. This must be good for it. You know, high performance athletes. Yeah. Well, it's it's they're selling out, and and one of the things we we often, you know, Joanna and I look at, we say, look at all these this deceptive advertising that's going on uh, with these athletes. Look at look at, and you look at sugar. But give me a great example is um, Nutella. We had it taken to our door uh, a, a flyer. I, I went into the mailbox and looked at it, and it goes this big flyer. It says Nutella loves breakfast. And, or breakfast loves Nutella. Mm-hmm. It's Nutella, and Nutella has hazelnuts in it. Mm. Wow, hazelnuts! How many nuts do you have to eat? You know how big a hazelnut is? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it dwarfs the, a peanut. Like in terms of the size, it's it's a, a peanut dwarfs a hazelnut. I mean, you've got to eat mountains of them to f- provide you with any nutritional benefit. Uh, but the so they've got a cup 
couple of hazelnuts in your serving, which is, is absolutely nothing. But to give you an idea, there's 20, in, in a couple of slices of bread, there's 20 grams of sugar in, in this uh, in Nutella. Well, the, the same exact um, um, Heinz, I believe it's Heinz uh, cake frosting, chocolate cake frosting, in the same quantity, has the same amount of sugar, 20 grams of sugar in it. Just wow. have cake frosting for breakfast, because you know you're doing, you're putting garbage in your body. Don't you dare tempt me, because I will grab a spoon and I will chow down on that. But I want to just do, ask you one quick, or just make it a remark. It's funny, when you when you brought that illustration of the, the cubes of sugar, I am personally almost close to vomiting when I think of ingesting nine cubes of sugar. I mean, I couldn't imagine that in, in any drink, never mind a sports drink. And I've been guilty of drinking them, but it doesn't taste like nine. You know, in honesty, it's sweet, but when I think of nine cubes of sugar, I just say, okay, I've got to put it down. Well, yeah, just on on anything you consume, um, look at the, the nutritional content. Look at how many grams of sugar and divide it by four. And uh, that's how many cubes of sugar that you're eating. So at 16 grams, you're, you're eating four cubes of sugar. You know, it's, um, like if you go to Tim Hortons, and again, I'm an equal opportunity um, slammer. I'll, 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 doesn't, doesn't matter who you are. Um, if you can Tim Hortons and have a, uh, um, a blueberry muffin and a medium, I believe it's a medium um, hot chocolate, that's 76 grams of sugar. Mm. Like, you think of it, 76 grams of sugar in those two. Now, if you have a chocolate chocolate chip, um, muffin, as well as the hot chocolate, those two together are 77 grams. So when you, you look at the, the amount of, like, and I think a bran muffin is almost the same as 75 grams of sugar. So when you have a bran muffin, you think you're doing something good for yourself. And and yet the, the sugar that's in the all the, the hot chocolate and the muffin, it doesn't matter if it's a chocolate chip or and what we say is have the guiltiest one because then you know you've, you've had a treat and maybe you won't have another treat in the afternoon. Mm. Hal, I've got a question. Actually, somebody had wanted me to ask you because they knew you were coming on and they loved the last time you were on. And the way she had worded it in a roundabout way is, are people today, parents especially, are they that naive to the fact that the, the processed uh, sugars that are in stuff, you know, flowers, all the additives, the starches and that stuff, are people still uneducated and that oblivious to the fact that this is in there? And if they, if it is in there, should parents all be in a roundabout way held accountable to the problem with childhood obesity? Well, everyone contributes to it. Um, every, it's everyone's responsibility. Um, the parent is the first line of defense, and, I, and I, again, I've heard many, many parents say, "Hey, listen, I'm busy. I've got, I have a busy lifestyle. We live a busy lifestyle." And I ask, "Okay, how important is your kid's health? Is that more important than having working a lot more so you can get that extra, um, you know, extra car or whatever that might be?" So first, think that that kid, your kid's health, is the most important thing that you have. That's number one. So you have to take care of it. But the problem in being a parent, the problem with that is that it is so confusing out there. 
There's so many things that you, the advertisers, it's not fair. It really isn't fair because advertisers, they just confuse you. Uh, Gluten-free, sugar-free, natural, you know, all the, all the um, propaganda that's put on, on the packaging. You look at something and you go, um, I think this is healthy. It's, it's gluten-free. Um, I think this is healthy. Um, you know, they feel like they've got to become a nutritionist in order to read labels properly. If we just go back to a couple very, very simple um, thoughts, is that look at look at how much sugar is in a product, and look how many calories are in a product. Um, you know, you shouldn't. Again, it, it really depends on your size and your weight and your age. But you know, know how much, know how many calories you should be consuming on a daily basis, and you say to yourself, "Geez, this uh, particular product represents." 700 calories, and I should only be eating, you know, 1,800, 1,900 a day. So this is almost, you know, uh, you know, 40 percent of my caloric intake. Is it worth? Is it worth the squeeze? Is it worth eating this particular product? So those are the things. As a consumer, it's sugar and calories that you should be really focusing on, and that's not that big a, a list of nutritional things to uh, to break down. I love how you, how you answered that, Hal. Um, to me, this is it, it's befuddling to the sense that so many parents, not to mention just parents, but also teachers in schools, have basically lynched anything to do with peanuts, peanut allergies, and now gluten. That gluten and peanuts are the number one culprits out there in society, whereas sugar is getting this free pass. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, the um, you know peanut butter and, and the, the allergic reaction from it is, is certainly, uh, um, you know, it's important for those who certainly it's a life and death type of situation. Um, I, I don't really hold, call it the, the teachers responsible. They're there uh, in terms of, in terms of, um, uh, you know, really having a, 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 a large impact. When I say we all play a role, teachers play a role, um, but they're not the ones that buy that bring the food into the house. They're not the ones that are serving the food to the. Um, they're not creating the habits uh, for the uh, for their family. And I think that's really it's the habits that you learn at home, the things that you learn that are um, from your parents that that are that are truly the most important. Uh, lessons that we'll all learn, and and I think uh, responsibility is certainly on the parents. And it's not that I give a parents a pass, but but it is hard out there. It really is difficult to figure out what the heck should I buy. Uh, you know, I'm fairly knowledgeable in this stuff, and I go to the store and I look at the initial label, and if I didn't drill down and know what I'm looking for, I would be uh, confused or or tricked to buy certain products, whether it be a I'm looking at, a, for example, a, a protein bar. I'm looking at a protein bar, and I look at that, and I go, well, it's got loads of protein in it. Now, how much sugar does it have in it? How much fiber does it have in it? Uh, now, there's some uh, protein bars that are doing very, very well in the marketplace, but they have, like, 30 grams of sugar in it. Like, it's a, it's a chocolate bar. Now, it does provide you with some protein, like 20 grams of protein, which is terrific, um, but, but it's, 
it's providing you so much sugar. So look for the bars that are, um, are lower in sugar and still provide you all the, the nutrient value at the same time. It might take a little time to look for it, but, um, you know, again, if your sugar content is low, um, that's more than halfway to, to, uh, uh, to, to your objective. You must be psychic because uh, we are going to a break right now. But just before we got on this interview, I uh, pounded back a bar that is loaded with fiber. So it says, and while you were speaking, I went to their website. The first ingredient is chicory. Second is semi-sweet chocolate chips. The third are oats. The fourth is corn syrup. And then we get down into sugar. We get into glycerin. We get into corn syrup. Again, hello, sugar cane fiber. Um, Man, there's a lot of sweetness in these bars. And what's the uh, what's the caloric and sugar um, breakdown? Well, sugar's ten grams, but there's only two grams of protein. I would have thought there was a lot more in there. <laughs> that's not a that's not a protein bar. Yeah, well, okay, so we'll take a break. We'll pick this conversation up, and I feel chastised right now. I'm going to go have a big <laughs> glass of water to <laughs> rinse it out. More matters of the mind right around the corner. Stay with us. Buying or selling a home, condo, or investment property may be one of the largest transactions you'll ever make. It's important to gather as much information as you can, and preferably from experienced, successful professionals. When it comes time to make your move, call the Mulholland Ross Real Estate Team with Keller Williams Real Estate Service at 416-230-8500 or visit www.realestatetoronto.com. Whether you're making your first move or selling your much-loved family home, the Mulholland Ross Team offers over 26 years of real estate sales and service across the GTA. Listen every Sunday at 4 p.m. here on Radio That Doesn't Suck to hear the team share advice and information that will assist you with your personal wealth through real estate. Questions or topics you'd like to see covered? Email info at realestatetoronto.com or call the Mulholland Ross team at 416-230-8500. Welcome to my new book, Niagara's Most Haunted Legends and Myths, which is not just a book about ghosts and haunted places, rather about history in the Niagara region. This book explores and uncovers parts of the Niagara region which are considered some of the richest in North American history and the most haunted. As a matter of fact, one of the bloodiest battles in North American history, the War of 1812, between the British and the Americans was fought here. And this year, the bicentennial year anniversary of the War of 1812 is covered in this book. This book explores most of the haunted places, legends that have existed from the 1800s right now to 2012. Each chapter covers a different type of landmark which not only educates readers on historical significances, but also entertains with anecdotal ghost stories and paranormal investigations. Join me in this book as we visit beds and breakfasts, ships and boats, trains, tunnels, museums, mansions, highways, forts, cemeteries, waterfalls, and many more, and see if the Niagara region is really haunted. Niagara's Most Haunted Legends and Myths is now available at Indigo Chapters and online on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com and visit our website, www.niagara'smosthaunted.com. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Welcome back to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Heard worldwide on Listen Up Talk Radio at talk-radio.ca. Well, hello there, 
and gentlemen, are you crazy for sugar? <laughs> Today we are joined by Hal Johnson of the famed Body Break. And before we went to commercial break, Hal was talking about basically how sugar is North America's silent killer. We all know about it, that it exists. So, Hal, you were saying, uh, talking about... Um, you and Joanne are going into a lot of schools and educating. So let me ask you this. Has it been successful? And let me ask you, is it because you're so popular and successful with Body Break and as basically the poster person for fitness in Canada that you are getting well-received reviews on this and people are embracing it? Um, or are people just finally saying, okay, we really need to do something with kids and nutrition and really make kids aware, you know, families aware that diabetes is a killer. Well, we have to do a couple of things. We're, the first thing, we have to educate um, the kids, certainly. But what we thought, and we, we were, involved, were involved with, um, as a spokespeople, and we've designed a program for Willowbray Child Care Academies that are across Canada. Um, and these, these child care academies, they're child care for infants, to uh, ta preschool to toddlers, uh, you know, all up to ready to when kids ready to go to kindergarten. And you think, well, now how are we going to educate an infant? You know, um, but at the, we've designed a program uh, at the Willowbrae schools that, like, first of all, there's a chef on staff uh, who uh, cooks all the meals, and the, the parents get a monthly printout of of what the uh, children are going to be eating for lunch and their snacks. And they get that report every day sent to them an email of exactly what protein content, what you, what all the nutrition that the child has eaten during the day, and what the child needs for dinner from a protein, um, uh, fiber, uh, from a nutrient uh, basis. So we've helped design this this program that goes out to parents every every uh, who, who have their children enrolled with Willowbrae um, at every day at five o'clock. So it's really. Um, that's, and I said, when we're going to get involved, when Willowbrae asked us to get involved, they said, well, you know, we don't want to come on just as kind of a marketing element thing. What we want to do is we want to educate the, the parents, the parents of Willowbrae, so that how do you raise a healthy child? And so we provide uh, videos to the Willowbrae parents. We provide uh, uh, tips and information uh, on a weekly basis on these email alerts that go out of of what activities to use your child? What kind of um, what kind of nutrition? To, have you thought about is this way to introduce food to your to your young child? It's difficult to educate a you know as I say a two year old, but it's educating the parent on just to think about okay um, what should I what should I what should I eat? Now interestingly enough, in the Willowbrae, um, they we've been to some grand openings because they're, they're all, in fact they're opening another Willowbrae Academy. On uh, this upcoming Saturday, it's in uh, 240 Duncan Mills in in Toronto, and uh, we're going to be at that grand opening. And that, and it's an, it's another one. We we're just out in Vancouver to the Willowbrae Academy um, opening, and at that one, the people put out like all kinds of food and snacks, and, it, and all the Willowbrae foods are very very healthy. But it's interesting the mindset of people because. Well, this is a party. So what do you do with a party? Well, first of all, you have to have a big cake, or you have to cut the cake. Well, okay, that's fine. But then you've got chips, and you've got all the other stuff that we all fall into this trap. So I said to the CEO of Willowbrae, I said, we really should, you know, there's no problem having a cake um, as a symbol of opening, grand opening. 
but we have to have healthy snacks here. We're trying to convince the parents that eating healthy is the way to go. Um, showing having chips and gummy bears and all the other stuff. Let, that let's have healthy food. Let's have food. Let's have those carrots and have those other things there to celebrate it because you can. And, and let's make them well. Let's have lots of fruit. Let's have lots of things that you can really sink your teeth into from a health perspective that are good, not just the easy go-to um, junk food. Um, and so, yeah, so that, that, that at Willowbrae, it's all about healthy eating and, and active living and uh, for not only infants, but, but for the entire family. That's awesome. That new location's just around the corner from me here in Toronto, so I may stop by and crash your party and grab a slice of cake. <laughs> everyone, is, everyone is welcome. Um, I'm going to combine a couple of questions here because uh, we're, we're stretched for time. I know we just talked about healthy eating and we talked about unhealthy eating with the sugar, but it's also coupled these days with, with everyone becoming a bit more sedentary. Um, kids are into video games and uh, TVs and movies. They're spending more time couch bound and, and parents as well. And I don't know if the parents are setting an example that the kids are picking up on or if the parents are just too tired. So they go, just go entertain yourself for a bit. So, I'd like you to speak for a couple of minutes just about exercise. Does exercise need to mean um, hours in the gym every day to to live a healthier life, or can we break it down into smaller chunks? Well, absolutely break it down into smaller chunks. That is really the key to it. But I think regardless of what you do, whether you go for a walk or whatever, whatever movement of your body is, um, you have to do it on a regular basis. And the only way that you can do it on a regular basis, I really believe and really feel, is that I don't want to get too um, uh, uh, theoretical uh, on you, but is that you have to really like that future you. And what I mean by that is that let's say you're 25 now or 30 years old. Let's say you're 30 years old right now. Well, you've got to imagine yourself at 50, 60, 70, 80 years old and really want to take care of that other person. Take care of your future self. And so the, how do I take care, and that, that future self becomes my best friend that I'm going to take care of. And when you pick up that junk food, or you don't, or you have that glass of wine as opposed to going for a walk after dinner, um, you're not doing any favors to that future self. The more in touch you are with your future self, the more you're going to take care of that person in the future. And that's taking care of that person right now. So regardless of what exercise you do cause, or, uh, it, or what movement activity you do, whether it's in a gym or uh, going for a walk with the dog or whatever it is, um, you have to do it on a regular basis. And I, we believe the only way you make a habit of it, of it is that you have certain triggers that trigger that habit and then you imagine your, your, your motivation is sh- short-term motivation, and then there's long-term motivation. And the long-term motivation is to, to really, when you get to be 70, 80, 90 years old, you're able to physically do things that most 70, 80, 90-year-olds can't do. Um, I, I'll, I'll be turning 50 in June, and I thought to myself, I go, you know, I'm going to do it with, I'm going to do something just to benchmark that, uh, that, that milestone. And I go, you know, maybe I'll walk a couple hundred kilometers through the mountains of Ireland. Um, it just uh, So we, we booked a trip and we're going to walk, just do a, 
walk through what's called the Kerry Way in Ireland mm. uh, through the mountains um, on my 60th birthday, just to just to do it. And I hope you you blog about it and take lots of photos to share it with us. Yeah, and you know, and but the, what's more important is is that what I'm doing now is I'm training for for it, and so how I train. So it's always the journey in life that's more important than the destination. So I'm training for it. I'm walking the Bruce Trail. So hopefully, by the time I I'm doing different sections of the Bruce Trail over different different time periods, and you know, taking two three days walking sections and that sort of thing. And I'm I'm wearing a 20 pound weighted vest to simulate a backpack and as I do that and it's like it's the journey so you know what I may never go on that that Ireland trip but you know I'll be in really good shape by the time I get to, get to go there so. you know how something I wanted to ask you because this question came up a couple weeks ago and it's an interesting one what do you say to not only people um, I guess people in general that say big is beautiful, especially, hey, there's nothing wrong with being big nowadays because it's culturally accepted that this is the norm in today's society. And then it's extrapolated on the kids like, hey, except, you know, this is how my kids are. Big is beautiful. And well, I, Yeah, I don't talk about um, big or small, really. I talk about healthy and unhealthy. And... You, you cannot convince me that if you are um, uh, 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds overweight, that you're healthy. Um, I, as I mentioned to you, I'm wearing this 20-pound vest, and I wear it around not only my height, um, I wear it around during the day. So I wear it for two or three hours a day. Um, and what it does is it engages my core muscles, but what it also does is I can feel it in my lower back, and, and that's what I'm sitting. I can feel it on my joints. I can... Especially like my knee. So carrying that extra 20 pounds, so it's, it's roughly about 18% of my body weight, uh, additional body weight. And I'm carrying that, that additional weight, and I feel sore, and I feel tired at the end of the day. You can't tell me if you're carrying extra weight. I don't care what you look like, and I don't care what your size is. I care about your health. And it's, you know, I mean, it's very... I don't think there's an argument that if you smoke, it's okay uh, for your health. And I think that we've come to the conclusion um, medically that if you are, are carrying too much weight, it is unhealthy. And, and the fact is that uh, there's a correlation between the waistline going up and diabetes going up. Um, and it's a, there's a direct correlation between that. And, and so you, I would argue with anyone to we're both blue in the face that uh, um, you know if you're if you're too much over your body weight um, your proper your healthy body weight it's going to have you're going to have health effects um, we've got a uh, time for two more questions and I for my final question I'd like to, uh, to ask you about the benefits of beginning uh, proper eating and exercise at any age. And I know, especially with seniors, there are so many benefits that can offset so many conditions as we age, you know, especially osteoporosis or Alzheimer's by just staying busy, keeping active and eating well. Well, you know, I think really the key is that if exercise was a pill, it would be by far the most prescribed pill ever. So if you could get all the benefits that you get from exercise in a pill, 
that would be the go-to. You walk into a doctor's office, here you go, exercise pill, exercise pill. What flavor does it come in, though? I want to make yeah, sure. But yet doctors don't, you know, they don't come in and say you got to move. You know, they go, well, you know, you should kind of lose a couple of pounds. You should. But there's so many benefits, so many benefits to, to moving your body and mental benefits. And, you know, today is you know, Bell Let's Talk Day and, and it's all about mental health. It's been proven. Exercise has terrific benefits for for your mind and mental health. And, you know, whenever I feel a little bit foggy or I'm stressed out or whatever it might be, I go for a walk. And, you know, the dog can tell, oh, we're going for a walk again. Um, it's, it's really, it does so many things. To, the list of the benefits are so numerous that uh, it shows not long enough. It really is. The number one thing for your body and for your mind um, to do is, is to move it. And I, I don't call it exercise, just move it. Absolutely. And, and you know, mm -hmm. nowadays it seems like exercise is more of a, it, it sounds amusing in a roundabout way and sarcastic in the sense that it's almost like something that's more talked about than actually engaged in. It's almost like gone away the dinosaur where we know so much is great hell with exercise and eating properly, but yet you would think it would be a priority in our society, just like as you brought up, smoking is bad, but yet people still do it. So at what point, hell, do we finally embrace this as Canadians and say, okay, enough's enough, let's get healthy? Well, I think unfortunately what we find is that when something has happened to us, um, whether you have a heart attack or uh, a friend has it or your parents have it, then uh, you go, oh, my God, I, I, I should start getting into shape. I should, oh, I'm, now there's, there's, you're literally scared into it. I'll tell you a real quick story. A guy on my hockey team last year uh, uh, was in the shower after the game, and this is a, a plus 35 league. He's 52. Um, he uh, drops dead in the shower. Uh, we resuscitate him with the uh, uh, with defibrillator. Uh, he comes back to life. He has a quadruple bypass. Quadruple bypass. Um, and, you know, a week later, and he's healthy now. He's you know he's lost about 30 pounds. That next week. When the next week when we played and, and the, all the guys on the team stayed for about an hour after the game asking me all kinds of questions about health and nutrition and, and should I buy a treadmill and what should I do? They never asked me a question about health prior to that happening. Um, so it oftentimes it takes something, somebody to shock you. What I would do if you really want to change your lifestyle, if you really want to do that, visit a hospital, the cardiac ward. Go through it and see the people that are sick and dying and say, I never want to be in this place. And everything I can do not to get into this place, I will do. And then go get yourself a personal trainer and a dietitian, and, um, and you know, spend a couple hundred bucks and on that, get some education, get to Google and get information and, and move your body. I guess that would be my... Uh, number one thing is just get out. If you say, I don't have money, I, I can't hire one, get a pair of good walking shoes and walk. Just move your body. And as you said in, our, in your last visit to our show, Hydrate, just stay hydrated. It really cuts down on a lot of urges. Uh, yeah, it, absolutely. You know, the, more you, the more you drink, the less you eat. And the more you drink the, of the right things, with, um, and your body needs to be hydrated. So it's... Uh, um, but it's 
it is you know certainly a, a key from uh, for, for certainly not eating as well Speaking of great resources, uh, bodybreak.com is a wonderful place for the listeners to visit. Um, so many great things there. You've got a blog, um, you've got uh, video clips, you've got everything on there. Um, and of course, upcoming appearances. Hal Johnson's been our guest from bodybreak.com. Thank you, Hal, for joining us once again. Well, my pleasure. And as I always say, until next time, keep fit and have fun. More Matters of the Mind just around the corner. Please stay with us. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Matters of the Mind. And as I always remind you and I ask you, please keep questions coming in that you'd like to see for show ideas, topics, and also your questions. That if there's something that you'd like to cover us on the show, if you know that we're going to have a special guest or a special topic on our show, um, send it my way. Uh, you can reach me definitely on Facebook, Peter Sacco, definitely on Twitter. And... Um, as we said right from the get-go of the show, Bell, let's talk. Let's make um, the silence no longer silence when it comes to supporting mental health across Canada and make it a non-stigma and rather a recognizable illness. If you are listening to the show and it's Wednesday, January 27th, uh, you still have a couple of hours to uh, use the hashtag Bell, let's talk to, uh, to chip into the fund to uh, raise awareness about mental health. We will be right back here next Wednesday at 8 p.m. on Matters of the Mind. Catch you next week. You've been listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco. Get in touch with him on his website, petersacco.com, or find his contact page on listenup at talk-radio.ca. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash listenuptalkradio, on Twitter at listenuptalk. Thanks for listening and sharing our posts. We'll catch you next week.